Though there are records of deaf communities dating as far back as ancient Egypt, they are still to this day a largely misunderstood and unreached people group. Hi, I'm Joel Moutre, and you're listening to the Learn and Share podcast. In today's episode, I speak with Michelle Arthur about reaching the deaf for Christ. Thank you so much for joining me, Michelle. Uh, we're excited that you're here on the podcast because today we're going to be talking about something that I don't even know that much about, uh, and that is the deaf community and uh, American Sign Language, or ASL. Now, I, of course, I've met people. There's people at my churches that, that I've seen, and, and I see people at GYC doing sign language. I don't know any sign language, and but I think it's an overlooked, um, almost like a people group, a community, uh, within America, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna dive into that. But um, first, tell us just briefly uh, how you got involved with uh, the community of the deaf and um, how, you, how what your passions are. I started learning sign language when I was four years old, and I took like a homeschool class. Um, there were several kids that got together. One of the moms was an interpreter, and she taught it. And ever after that, I was interested. Um, my first year of college, first semester, I took American Sign Language ASL 1, and just as an elective, I didn't plan to do anything with it, but my teacher sat me down and said, you're catching on to this quickly, you should become an interpreter. And I was flattered, but didn't think much more of it. Um, but the more I learned about deaf culture, just as my own hobby kind of and passion, the more convicted I felt that God was calling me to this mission field. And um, right to here in America, I felt that he was not calling me overseas so much as right here. So I started learning, and here I am today. Tell us a little bit about the the demographic um, and maybe some statistics or numbers that you might have that would help us understand what what the size of this community is and what the great need is uh, to help people in the area of learning. Yeah, that's always a little difficult question. People want to know how many deaf people are in America. Um, the number that I've most recently heard is maybe 2 million. Um, but it's it's hard to know. Some people um, don't identify as deaf even if they can't hear. Some people identify as deaf even if they can hear a little bit. So there's there's a lot of cultural implications to the word deaf. Tell us about the history. Uh, I know uh, we talked about this uh, before the interview, fascinating history and how really they have been suppressed and it's been a difficult journey for those who have a hard of hearing. Yeah, so of course deafness has been around for thousands of years. Um, In ancient Egypt, um, Pharaoh used to employ deaf people because they could not eavesdrop on him. Really? But, yeah, <laughs> it's just kind of a little tidbit there. Um, but as far as deaf history, yes, there's been a lot of oppression and a lot of abuse. Um, and n- nowadays, um, they're starting to come out of some of that. Pe- the deaf community is starting to be more like, hey, this isn't fair and we can actually advocate for ourselves. So that's a good thing. Um One of my favorite parts about American Sign Language and the history of it is watching how it coincides with the Advent movement. I was super excited when I learned about that in college. Um, So for many centuries, sign language was looked down upon by the majority of the hearing world. Um, They called it animalistic. They thought that it was 
not a real language or that um, people that used it were not as intelligent. As the years went by, different um, deaf schools started to pop up, and that at first they were oral schools, but then they became sign schools. And by the 1830s, 40s, the schools really started to promote sign language in the schools. The classrooms were built in ways that the, the floor was wooden, so um, the deaf students could feel the vibration if the teacher needed to get their attention. The seating was kind of like theater seats so that they could all see the front very easily. The lighting was such that they could easily see, and um, they, were, they were built very sign-friendly. And the golden age of um, sign language happened right about at the same time as the Advent movement started. So around the whole 1844, when the first angel's message is really going out, that's when the golden age is happening, and like 80% of deaf schools were signing schools instead of oral schools. And then a tragic thing happened, the Milan Conference in 1880, and many teachers from different countries got together and decided, actually, sign language is bad. We don't like it. We don't want it in the schools. And they kind of went back to that, oh, this is animalistic. This is not good. And so the tide changed, and 80% of schools now were oral schools instead of signing schools. So sign language has had its struggles since then. And 1965, William Stoke published a linguistic study, the first one of its kind, showing that ASL is a real language and has its own grammar and sentence structure and is very intelligent. And ever, ever since then, sign language has been on the rise again, people respecting it more, people learning it more, just in time for, guess what? The third angel's message. I think that's fascinating how, you know, when there was a, the Great Enlightenment, they call mm -hmm. it, you know, back in the 1800s, when people all over around the world, not only the Advent movement, mm -hmm. but even other religions, there were people in all different parts of uh, the world proclaiming that Jesus was coming again. Mm -hmm. Lo and behold, God set that up for the deaf community to also hear that message. Or to see it. Or to see it. <laughs> yeah, that, actually, that's true. Not to, <laughs> not to hear it, but to see it mm -hmm. through sign language. Mm -hmm. But then again, there was oppression. And then now we believe also God has going to bring up another message uh, mm -hmm. for us to share. And Jesus is coming sooner than ever mm -hmm. and God is uh, bringing up not only in the spiritual community but the secular community mm -hmm. to raise up awareness about the deaf community mm -hmm. I think that's so beautiful how God cares about everyone yeah. uh, even those uh, who ha are hard of hearing mm -hmm. and just to me that has been the most you know encouraging and telling me personally Jesus must be coming soon because look at what's happening in the deaf community you know absolutely um, let's talk about the language itself mm -hmm. uh, for a little bit um, I don't know any sign language except for maybe the s stereotypical I love you sign. I don't even know if that's real. <laughs> it's that's, real. Yeah. That's real? Yeah. Okay. Um, that's cool to know. Mm -hmm. um, but how, how, what, what's the structure like? What, is it, what does it look like? Is it letters and you know, words like we do? Or, you know, are there accents? You know, can you tell where people are from? Just tell us a little bit about the language because this is new to me and it's new to many of our listeners. Mm -hmm. um, so American Sign Language came from French sign. So it's very different than British sign or Australian sign. You couldn't use it over there. Um, and yes, there are accents. You, you sign with someone from up north, and they sign very fast. You sign with someone from the south, and 
I read a book where the guy said it looked like there was syrup dripping off his hands. <laughs> you know, they talk slow and they sign slow. It's, yeah. Yeah, that's 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 really interesting as well because I've I've noticed that you know being mm-hmm. at a meeting or one other, there's different people that sign differently. Is there any work being done for the deaf community uh, within Christianity? I know that there's a there's a rise of awareness in the secular uh, spheres, but what is being done for them um, religiously and even within Adventism? Um, within Adventism, there is Three Angels Deaf Ministries, and Esther Doss has a lot to do with that. She's helped to set it up, and there are a lot of um, Seventh-day Adventist interpreters that are involved in that. It's kind of new. Um, the General Conference has more recently become aware of the need. There is also in the deaf youth, and they have their own conference. So that's pretty exciting. Um, as far as Adventism, though, we have been kind of slow to pick up on it. The Jehovah's Witness have gotten us very beat. So the deaf community is more aware of them than some of the Adventists. We've talked a lot about the great need to reach countries that are unreached for the gospel, like they call it the 1040 window, mm-hmm. you know, the Middle East and, and, and Asia. Uh, mm-hmm. where there's low percentages of Christians to the ratio of people that live in those countries. Mm-hmm. Um, what about the deaf community? What does that look like? You know, is it its own people group? You know, is it is it something people think, oh, I want to be a missionary to Asia, I want to be a missionary to Africa, I want to be a missionary to, to, to Russia or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Do we need missionaries in this community as well? Absolutely, yes. Um, the 1040 window of America is the deaf community. It's about 1% to 2% Christian, and those who are not Christian are generally pretty prejudiced. They have generally viewed God as the God of the hearing, not of the deaf, and they don't necessarily realize they can pray and sign that God will understand that. Um, they, don't, they don't really feel like uh, Christianity is necessarily accepting of them as deaf people, and Many times that comes from parents who have been grief-stricken over having a deaf child, and they take them to a faith healer, and the faith healer bumps them over the head and nothing happens, and they think, well, this Christianity thing is pretty dumb. I see, too, that there's also not prejudice in areas where hearing people would have prejudice. Like, if you tell a deaf person, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist, they don't know that part from anything else, and so to them, they're not automatically prejudiced because you said Seventh-day Adventist or because you told them this book is by Ellen White. You know, they don't. That doesn't mean anything to them, so they're not prejudiced. That's really awesome. What are some things that that, that uh, there's obviously a great need, and mm-hmm. there's a need for missionaries. There's a need for people to be reached in this community. What would you say are the solutions? Uh, give us a couple options of things that that people can do to be involved, to help, and to to make a difference in this community. Um, I think a few things. One thing is knowing their their history and even their ongoing life, they still experience a lot of oppression. So be an advocate for them. Um, really respect them, respect the fact that their culture is different than yours. The deaf culture is v- much more collectivist rather than individualistic like the typical Western culture. Could you give a couple examples of how that would look? So I would say when you have a group of deaf people, um, they're very much kind of relying on what each other thinks to make a decision. They'll kind of make a decision together. Even in the in the family, the house is built in a way that is like a deaf space, they call it, to where you can 
you can easily communicate. There aren't a lot of walls. The sink would be facing in a way that they can see what's going on in the living room and still talk. You know, this, the you won't have a lot of closed spaces, and that way you can make uh, decisions together easier and be in each other's lives more. Yeah. So I, from, from here, what you're saying, being an advocate is one thing, mm -hmm. uh, you know, being aware, self-educating. What mm -hmm. are some other things that can be done for them, especially in the area of ministry that, that you feel needs to happen to be able to really reach this community? I would say anytime you're doing a public event, like an evangelistic series or, um, or some kind of thing like that, have interpreters available. And interpreters... I know are not cheap it can it can cost a lot but it's worth it you know it's like how uh, how much do you really want to reach the deaf community how invested in this are you and if you are invested then you're gonna have to put out some some means or whatever to get that happening now there might not not everyone will be able to directly reach them you know, if you might be in the church, if you're a pastor listening, you know, you could, or, or somebody that's involved, a young person involved in evangelism, they could advocate to, to get interpreters for meetings and events, et, et cetera. Mm -hmm. What if somebody feels a call to, to really go deep and explore? Uh, what does it take to learn the language? What does it take to really, you know, do you have, where, where do you go? Normally, if you're a missionary and something, you go to like the country. First, let's talk about learning the sign language. And then now what do you do with that? Like, mm -hmm. what do you do to, to be a to be a missionary and a blessing in this community. Mm -hmm. So uh, you can learn sign language in a few different ways. Um, it's fairly common for a local interpreting agency to offer community classes. And that would be like an eight-week class that meets once a week. Some people repeat those eight weeks over and over, and they learn more and more as they go. And usually those are pretty inexpensive. That will not make you an interpreter. That will just make you someone that knows some sign language and can be friendly. Um, if you're interested in getting more involved in ministry, I would recommend going through um, a college course. I have a bachelor's degree. You can you can get a degree in like deaf studies. You can get it in sign language interpreting. You can get it in. Um, sometimes people will get it in psychology and then do an extra a couple of years of, of training in, in deaf awareness. Um, but my question to someone that's interested in that is how serious are you about getting involved? We need people that are willing to really invest their lives and their time into learning and into becoming part of that community. We just talked about how you uh, can get involved, how you can learn. You can go to college and learn the language. Mm -hmm. What are some opportunities that somebody might do with that afterwards. You think of ministry, sometimes it's self-supporting, you don't get paid a lot. Mm -hmm. Do you work full-time in ministry? Or what what job opportunities are there? And then how can you incorporate mission work in that? So I work um, uh, for Knoxville Center of the Deaf. I live in Tennessee. And it's currently what I have is a contract-based job. So I can work 40 or more hours a week um, sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less, just depending on the week. I can set my own hours, and that's pretty nice. Um, but it's very busy. People don't generally think of interpreting as a reliable job or a reliable source of income, but it is. And I can work all like a full week easily. I even have to turn jobs down. 
Um, so as far as if you're wondering about supporting yourself, yes, it's possible. Um, if you're wondering about ministry opportunities, those are plentiful as well. I recently partnered with Straight to the Heart Ministries, and I'm getting ready to do some interpreting for them. Um, they've been a blessing to me, and I'm looking forward to being a blessing to them. You were telling me earlier about a, a passion of yours, like a project that you are wanting to work on yourself. Tell us about that, and I think this will expand the horizon for uh, the listeners. My mind was blown away. I've never thought of even doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, tell us about your 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 project that you want to work on. Yeah, I I have a dream for interpreting several of Ellen White's books, especially Steps to Christ into sign language. And of course, that would be like a video. It wouldn't be something you read. But um, one big reason for that is deaf people consider English more like a second language. It's not a first language. So reading something will only make partial sense to them. Um, so my dream is to to take that material and put it into a language where they will understand it. Now, have you started working on that, or is that something that's still in the future, or what are your thoughts? Uh, It's still a dream, (laughs) but I am dreaming big, and I'm looking forward to doing it. That's really awesome. What are some lessons that you've learned along the way um, as you've been on this journey, and just really seeing God's leading, because this is a very specific calling for you, Mm -hmm. and I would guess that most of our listeners there will only be maybe one or two listening and say, you know what, I, I resonate with that. I want to pursue that. Or they might already be involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some lessons you've learned from this journey of finding God's will in this area? To be honest, one big lesson for me is humility, is being willing to do a ministry that's pretty much not recognized. Um, and And realizing that it's not about being a hero or, you know, being famous. It's about following God's calling um, and, and reaching these people that don't know about Jesus, don't know that, that he loves them and that he wants to save them. So that's been a big thing. What's some advice that you would give to somebody who's on this journey of finding um, God's will, even practical advice? Like, who do you talk to? Um, what are resources that people can find to to learn more about this topic and then and pursue a ministry in this area? Um, my first resource that I would recommend if you're serious about wanting to do this is go sign up in a community college for sign language classes. That will give you a lot of information about the culture and about the language um, and Honestly, there are interesting books out there just with history of the deaf community. Um, just having knowledge, gaining knowledge will be huge in helping you to, in help, helping to fuel that passion. Um, I can recommend a couple books. One is called A Place of Their Own. Uh, it gives a great overview of the deaf history from biblical times on through today almost. Another book I would recommend is by Oliver Sacks, Seeing Voices. It's a very fascinating read. It's fun and it's very informative. So those are a couple of resources I would say. In closing, uh, would you share with us a testimony, a story of somebody that's been impacted uh, in the deaf community by someone reaching out through sign language to tell them about Jesus and the Three Angels message? Yeah, I can tell um, a story that's in Esther Doss's little booklet called Can You Hear Us Now? 
and that story impacted me a lot and really gave me some oomph to go ahead and do this um, with my life. It was at a summer camp, and there were a lot of deaf campers there. The counselor was hearing, and she asked one of the campers if she would like to have prayer for them. And every day she was asking her to pray, you know, like in the in the cabin for maybe good night prayer. And every time the girl would say, no, no, I don't want to pray. And finally the counselor said, why don't you want to pray? Why, you know, she didn't seem interested. She's like, why aren't you interested? And she said, well, because God doesn't understand sign language. And I don't know how to pray speaking. <laughs> um, and the counselor was able to share with her in sign language that God can understand her if she prays in sign and she got so excited about that, she started praying, she started telling her friends, oh, we can pray in sign language. And they all got so excited about that. So that really touched my heart, that story, and was a big reason why I decided to go ahead with this. Thank you so much for sharing. In closing, mm -hmm. could you share us just a little appeal to the people that are listening? They're considering giving their lives to God. They want to give their lives to God. And this is a great mission field. Mm -hmm. um, give us an appeal of why we should be involved with Deaf Ministries. Again, it's like the 1040 window of America and 1% to 2% Christian. They're so unreached. They're right here in our backyards. We live with them. We work with them every day. You don't even know someone is deaf because they don't look different. But, you know, you, you see them and it's just like maybe God is calling you to dedicate your life or part of your life to reaching this group. Um, it takes effort. It's not just an easy thing to go and learn that language and to, um, to introduce yourself into that community. But you'll also find that deaf people are very accepting of students and people that want to be involved and people that are respectful of them. So I would say if you feel that God is calling you that way, if you have interest in that, jump in with two feet and you will be blessed. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to hit subscribe and share this episode with your friends. To learn more, check us out at learnandsharepodcast.com.